Welcome to the Early Motherhood Guide podcast. Are you a new mom feeling overwhelmed and don't know where to start? Then this podcast is for you. Hey mamas, I'm Lacey Reason here for your breastfeeding season. If you're like most moms, the transition into motherhood can be a little overwhelming. In this podcast, I will give you tools and advice as a lactation counselor, as well as interviewing experts to help make early motherhood a little less daunting. So sit back, relax, grab a cup of coffee, and let me help guide you through these early days of motherhood. Hey mamas, I am Lacey, your lactation counselor, and you're listening to the Early Motherhood Guide podcast, where motherhood is simply supported. Today, I have the opportunity to talk with Catherine Eskew. And hi, Catherine, why don't you introduce yourself today? Hi. Hi, so yep, I'm Catherine. I'm a mom of three boys. Um, they're all late teens, early 20s now, but I did have three under the age of three and a half. So that was pretty crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm also a life coach for mums and a root cause therapy practitioner. Yeah. So you were saying that you're a root th- cause therapy practitioner. And obviously my thought is, of course, you're getting to the root cause of something, but I don't know exactly what that is. So if you could share, tell us more about what a root cause therapy practitioner is and what they do. Sure. So if you imagine in your day-to-day life, you probably have certain patterns that you find yourself repeating over and over again. And even if they're not really serving you very well. Yeah. Um, an example I often give is people who maybe jump from one relationship to another um, and they'd rather be in a relationship rather than be alone. So that's kind of a negative pattern. Mm-hmm. And all of these patterns in your day-to-day life, both your behaviors and your thinking, they all stem, as you said, from a root cause. So that could be um, anything at all in your past, um, even going into sort of past lives, um, DNA memories, things like that, where an attachment has been formed, uh, the emotion has attached to the event and it's never been released. And so it's that emotion that's still stuck and that is what makes us sort of still have those limiting beliefs and like we're not good enough, we're not worthy of love. They're sort of really very common ones that yeah. come up a lot. And so my job as a um, root cause practitioner is to basically, first of all, we use muscle testing to identify what limiting beliefs the client is holding on to. And quite often, Quite often they recognize some of them and they're like, yeah, I I do that. Mm -hmm. But others of them, they don't recognize they have them. They're really just in that subconscious. So once we identify them, then we can go in, work with the subconscious and go back to whatever the first event is, work on that emotion, release the emotion. And then that allows us to release all of the connected emotions and events between the first event and now and therefore that clears what it's doing to us in the day-to-day level wow that seems like some deep work so like how long on average do you work with somebody so I normally do like an eight-week package um the the sessions 
normally the first session would probably be about two hours because we also do uh, a lot of the intro stuff as well, obviously. Um, after that, the the sessions range from about one hour to an hour and a half. And it really depends. We can release up to three limiting beliefs a session. Wow. But it really does depend on how deep the um on how deep those particular ones that we work on are. If it's a really, really heavy one, the subconscious and the client might only manage one in that session. But if there are a few that are just kind of not quite so deep seated and traumatic, yeah, it can yeah, we can do three in one go. Oh wow. So and I mean everyone has limiting beliefs of some kind. Um and has these subconscious blocks that stop them. Yeah, that is so true. Um, what actually made you start that? Like, how did you even hear about this? What What inspired you to be a root cause therapy practitioner? So I'd never heard of it either. <laughs> um, I So I did my life coaching diploma. And after finishing that, it I actually remembered just how much I enjoyed learning. Yeah. And just just learning these new things and studying. So I decided, okay, what can I what can I learn now? And I wanted to find something that would sort of be really complementary alongside the life coaching. I was actually looking at hypnotherapy, which I probably will still do at some point. Yeah. But as I was sort of researching into the uh, hypnotherapy type of courses, I completely just stumbled across this root cause therapy one and as I was reading it I thought oh wow that would that would just be absolutely perfect alongside alongside the coaching and it was something it really grabbed me it just really caught my interest Mm -hmm. so yeah I went for it so I've done I've done the level one which allows me to work with adults and I'm currently studying to do the level two which will allow me to work with children and teenagers as well oh interesting how long does that take um it's self-paced so it's um yep just however long I can um I can do it you have certain number of um practice hours that you need to complete Mm -hmm. but yeah it's it's very much self-paced which is great when you're working around other things or families yeah so you're saying that you're also a coach so what kind of what kind of coaching do you do who do you serve so primarily it's um I coach women mm-hmm. um but especially I'm really really passionate about working with mums um I've as I said I had three boys under three and a half so I've done the whole where everything in your life seems to be about just being a mum yeah and it almost feels like you lose a part of who you are for a time there and so they're the women that I really love to help the maybe the stay-at-home mums who are at that stage where they love being a mum but they want to do something else that really sets them on fire outside of motherhood I love that yeah um it's so hard for us moms right when we're singing at home we have such mom guilt if we do anything for ourselves and it's kind of this like cycle right when you are constantly serving your family and sometimes it can just feel like a thankless job even though it is very rewarding but there are some seasons obviously it just doesn't feel that way 
And when you do step aside to do something for yourself, you have like so much guilt about it. So how do you help mamas quit feeling that mom guilt when they are trying to do something for themselves? So, I mean, mom guilt is something, yeah, we we definitely work on within the program because it is, I, I don't think I've met any mom who has never experienced mom guilt. Yeah. And a lot of it is around their own expectations and they have they've put these expectations on themselves that they need to be the perfect mum and and the perfect mum means they have to do xyz and so they have all of these expectations and quite often not even ones that they came up with themselves it's societal pressure it's family pressure it's seeing the perfect families on social media you yeah. know, it's all of these things that make us as mums sometimes feel like we're not doing a good enough job and that and that we ought to be, you know, 110% focused on the kids. Nothing else matters. And yeah, I mean, I just work on trying to identify where the where the idea of the perfect mum has come from and just things around how you know, like we talk about on an on an aeroplane, they they say you always put your own oxygen mask on before you do your child's or anyone else's. Yeah. And it's exactly the same as a mum with things like self-care. And I mean, self-care can be anything. Um, and in some ways, self-care can be just doing something for yourself, whatever that might be, whether that be going back to work part-time, whether that be taking yourself off for an hour a week for a walk. All of these things that you can do for self-care, by filling up your own cup, you are then able to be a better mum, a better wife, a better partner to to those around you because you are feeling fulfilled. And so hopefully by, by women understanding that, it makes them feel less guilty and... A lot of women feel like they need to deserve or they need to have earned the right to self-care. And absolutely not. Um, you you have the right to self-care. You don't need to earn it. You don't need to do anything to deserve it. Everyone has the right to self-care. Yeah, it's interesting because I feel like after you have this idea, right? Of like you're the perfect mom. And we always have that idea, right? And I've never thought about where that came from, especially, you know, because I I also have that idea. What would be the ideal mother for my kids? And that always tacks on such guilt. And then if you're trying to do anything for yourself, you're like, well, I haven't checked all these boxes yet, right? Like my house is not perfectly clean, so I cannot therefore do anything for myself. My kids have not been read to like for an hour today yet. So I cannot do anything for myself because I have <laughs> so many things ahead that before that I have to fulfill before I take care of myself or before I do anything that I would like to do, right? Even if it's not brushing my yeah. hair or <laughs> doing going to the salon or anything. But if there's something <laughs> that I want to do, right? Where like I have so much joy from doing these interviews but 
so many things that I feel that I need to do first, right? Before that. So um, I love the idea of like identifying where that's coming from. And is that thought serving you, right? Because um, is it really going to be beneficial? Is it serving my family and myself um, having all those boxes checked before I do one thing that brings me joy, you know? But I would love to hear from you how do we establish some self-care routine without it affecting our family? So if I wanted to have this in my routine, whether it is reading a book for five minutes, whether it's doing a little meditation, or if it's getting myself ready for the day, how do you establish that care without it affecting your family and taking over? Because I feel so much that if you pick the wrong time, it's almost just cancels itself out. It's just not even worth it. Right. So if I (laughs) right at dinner time decided I need to go take 10 minutes to myself, there's no point. (laughs) There's just no point because I have so many littles that just, (laughs) right. So how do you establish that self-care routine? So um, I actually worked with a client who really struggled with exactly that she um it was just her and her husband and a 15 month old but she felt like she had to do everything like um she just didn't want to or she didn't feel that she was able to allow her husband to take on certain things so in her case her husband was often around in the mornings um but he would he'd get up he'd have his shower He'd sit there and read his paper while he had his breakfast, while she dashed around doing everything. And so we, a lot of that for her was about getting her husband on board and saying, well, okay, you know, you're home X number of mornings a week for two mornings of of that week. I would like you to sit with the baby and feed the baby and do all of that while I have time to go and actually have a shower, brush my hair and just do that without feeling like I'm trying to scrabble around to do everything. And so that really, that really worked well, just um, sort of being able to have a chat with her husband and, and sort of say, okay, look, this would really help me. And, and I think it was great as well because the husband had never really been given any responsibility with the children because she always felt like she was you know she was the only one who could do it properly and I I think quite often as mums we um we struggle with that as well we kind of have an idea of how it should be done yeah and no one else can do it quite like us so for her um that really worked um but it's it's just things like obviously it depends on the age of your kids and what your routine is whether they go to a daycare, whether they're at school, things like that. But if you do have time without the children in the day, write it in your diary, write it in, put it in your phone calendar um, that, I don't know, every day at 11 o'clock, you are going to just sit down and whatever it might be, whether it be read a book or, I mean, I don't know what it is, you know, you're you're into doing, but... For me, it would be sitting down, reading a book, Mm -hmm. sit down, read a book, have a coffee and just chill for 15 minutes and not worry that the dishes are still in the sink. 
Yeah. Because they can wait 15 minutes. So quite often it's about finding a time when you're either without the kids or when you have someone around that can have them for 15 minutes, but put that in your, make it an appointment with yourself. Just as you wouldn't make an appointment with someone and then not show up, make it an appointment with yourself and make sure you show up. Yeah. I love that. Um, I think scheduling that time in is so crucial because if you just think about when it's going to come up, like when you're going to have 15 minutes, like you're really never going to prioritize what you should be doing for actual self-care. You end up just scrolling, right? Which is not going to help. So, um, (laughs) yep. (laughs) Right. So having that thing. Oh yeah. (laughs) My husband is He's very giving and so supportive. So we've noticed that if we just schedule in two days a week where he can surf, you know, that is just, it just fills his cup enough. And he's like the most supportive husband that there is. So um, that has helped. And then I go back and forth. I'm not as good about this, but he's so helpful when I'm trying to do something like this. Um, But if I go take a workout class that doesn't necessarily have um, childcare, like I would always do it twice a week, you know, in the evenings. And it just didn't affect the family because the kids were already in bed. I already put the kids to bed and then I was able to go refresh myself. But another thing I love that you said is like communicating and delegating, right? So you're not the only parent here Mm -hmm. and the husband or your partner or whatever is fully capable of helping, but you do, I think a lot of men, they just don't know what to do. Right. So they're eager to help. They yeah. love to be needed, <laughs> but they need to know what they are needed for. So if you don't tell them, they're not going to be there to help because they just don't know. So if I say, Hey, it would be really helpful if you just took this responsibility in the morning twice a week so that I can go take a nice shower. I think that is so helpful. And I can't imagine like how she felt at the end of that. Like just knowing that you can rely twice a week is not, it's not something that's going to consume your time and your family. Right. But it is enough to where you're like, I feel refreshed and I can make it until Tuesday. Cause I know that I'm going to have that relaxing time, you know? So I love that. Um, how did she feel after that? Oh, she, um, I mean, she's actually one of my um, testimonials that I've got. And she talks about how she was sacrificing and um, self-sacrificing and yet just feeling like she had to do everything. And by the end of it, she, you could see her confidence had and her own self-esteem and self-worth had soared. I mean, this particular client um, also had quite high anxiety and um, perfectionism was a, a big thing for her. So one of the big things we had to work on with her was, yes, ask ask your husband to do X, Y, and Z, but you're going to have to get rid of this idea of, well, okay, it has to be done exactly like this. Your husband may not feed the baby or look after the baby for that time in exactly the way you would, yeah but that's okay it doesn't have this is what and I think this is where a lot of husbands and partners struggle as well in terms of they they try to step up and help but sometimes if they don't do it quite how mum 
thinks it needs to be done, they end up feeling like they've done it wrong. Yeah. And so then they don't want to do it again. So that was something else we had to work on with with this particular client Mm -hmm. was getting over the anxiety of letting go of some of that responsibility and that, you know, the the baby is not going to come to harm being left with with the dad for a short time. Yeah. Um, And also, yeah, just releasing some of that perfectionism because, you know, if by the end of it, I was so proud of her because... It used to be that the second she got up, the bed had to be perfectly made and everything like that. And she came to me one week and she goes, do you know what? Yesterday, I didn't make the bed until we were ready to go to bed. Wow. (laughs) It's amazing because it meant that instead of sitting down or instead of having five minutes and thinking, I have to get that bed done, she had taken time to just sit and refill her own cup yeah and it hadn't given her anxiety the fact that okay done it didn't get done first thing in the morning but that's fine it will get done yeah so I was so proud of her when she came in and said that because it just showed how far she had come yeah yeah the amount of stress when you put all this pressure on yourself and even it, it sometimes doesn't seem worth it, right? When you're like, it has to be done this way. So if I'm going to have, you know, my husband put the kids to bed, it's not going to be perfect be, and it could be perfect in his way, but it wouldn't be perfect in my way and how I would do it. And so <laughs> it's sometimes so stressful and it's like almost feels like it's not worth it. But when you really do get in a, in a groove and I mean, it's their dad. So obviously they love it when he gets to put them to bed. So um, once you feel comfortable and you guys have a good flow and that trust, it is so freeing and that stress taken off of you. It is absolutely worth it. Right. So earlier, oh, definitely. Yeah. So earlier you were saying that you have, you had three little kids really close, which I know how that is. I've had I've had three kids um, in four years and yeah, it was, you keep you busy, but you said that you actually moved across the world, right? So you were living in the UK and then you moved all the way to New Zealand. Now that is completely starting over, right? You don't have any friends, any connections, any, anything. And then you have such this big responsibility of taking care of these small kids and it's all on you. How was that? How did you um, find yourself not feeling completely consumed? How did, how did it feel? Did you feel completely consumed? And what, what did you do to have that time for yourself at that point? To be honest, I didn't. I am um, back then. I, I wish I'd known back then what I know now. Yeah. Um, as you say, yeah, so I I had three boys under four when we moved here. And it was just me and my husband and three boys. Yeah. We hadn't even set foot in New Zealand before we emigrated here. We didn't even know anything about we'd never moved here at all, never lived here, never even visited. So I mean it was an exciting adventure and I, you know, certainly don't regret doing it. But yeah, it was hard because he had a job lined up 
starting six days after we arrived. Holy cow. So so I ended up um, six days after moving from the other side of the world. I was in a motel room with three under fours. Jeez, yeah. And not knowing anyone at all, not knowing anything about my where I was living. You know, I was obviously only just finding out where things were, where the shops were, where everything was. And it was, and it was really because he got to go off to work. And so he started establishing relationships at work and and he had all of that. But again, I was very much just, it was me at home with the kids. And yeah, it did. It did consume me. Yeah. And I was exhausted and... Yeah, I just felt like I never really got a lot of time for myself. I mean, he, you know, he was a great dad um, and he would always hang out with them after when he got home from work and things like that. And But it was still, they were very, very long days yeah. when, um, when you're with them from whatever time they wake up in the morning until maybe dad gets home at maybe six o'clock in the evening. And then it's dinner on the table and the whole bedtime routine. Yeah. So, yeah, it. I honestly wish I knew back then more of what I know now because I did allow it to take over. And it was only when the kids were that little bit older and I started doing just a few hours a week um, in just working in retail. Just, yeah, very small number of hours. But it was the first time since I'd had the kids that I I actually felt recognised for me as Catherine rather than as Robbie Luke and Dylan's mum. Yeah. And so it was that was really um I mean, you know, it it was it was retail. It was um, you know, you have your good days and your bad days in retail, depending on your customers. But it was one of those jobs where you could go to work, you could put your hours in and go home. So you weren't taking stress home with you. But for those few hours of, of the day, I actually felt valued for who I was and for the job that I was doing as me rather than the boy's mum. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. I think sometimes having something part-time is like such a good balance if you're allowed if you're able to do it, you know, if you're um if time allows for it, it is um just nice to switch things up. But if you were to go back when you were moving there, and so, sorry, oh, when you were moving and you moved there with your three littles, what would you tell yourself back then with the knowledge that you have now? What would you, if you were to do it all over? Um, I think the biggest thing would be that when I was, when I was at home with the kids, you know, I don't have to be on the whole time obviously I have to keep them safe um but I don't have to be entertaining them every single second of the day that I am with them um you know they can be set up with toys and books and in a safe environment and I can sit down with a coffee for five minutes and that's okay that doesn't make me a bad mother it doesn't mean that I'm failing my kids somehow because I've left them to occupy themselves for five or 10 minutes. Yeah. So as long, yeah, as long as they are 
safe, I would give myself that permission to to take, you know, a bit of time here and there just to sit down and just go, ah, (laughs) and, and, you know, just take that pressure off myself of having to be, I mean, I also, I did lots of, um, which to be honest, I would probably still do now, um, but I did lots of groups with them. So I took them to like a play group and I took them to a music group and things like that. And I'd probably still do that because it was great for me to meet other mums as well. Yeah. But I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't put the pressure on myself. It had to be done because I was failing the kids if I didn't. If we got to go, great, the kids will have fun. I'll get to chat to mums. Yep, great time. If we're having a really crazy day and I don't make it to music today, that's okay too. It yeah. is what it is. And it's just about, I guess, just being kinder to yourself. Yeah. I think I would be a lot kinder to myself, show myself a lot more compassion than I did back then. Yeah, that is, um, I think, something we're, we're so hard on ourselves, right? Because you said about the, the perfection. And it's not like it's a a small thing, like we're raising human beings, right? So it is very easy Mm. (laughs) to be perfectionist and be like, no, I need to be the best because it's not like you get to go back and do it again. However, I do hear a lot of giving yourself grace, being kind to yourself. And in the end, if you are being kind to yourself, it does flow through the rest of your life, right? And with your kids, and it'll only be better if you're kind to yourself. Right. Um, I have been to New Zealand and it is so family friendly and it is beautiful. Like the playgrounds are great and there's a lot, there's a lot to do for families. And I really love that. Um, but yeah, there was one other thing I wanted to say and I couldn't remember now about it, but that's okay. Um, on how you started. <laughs> I just think that's a huge, um, adventure and that is really cool. So, um, how do you, <laughs> You were saying earlier how you kind of find what lights other moms um, fire, right? How do you find their passions? So is there something like, do you have like a system on how you find the mom's passions? Because sometimes as a stay-at-home mom, it can be so consuming that even finding a hobby, like it's like, I don't have one, you know, and they're just so involved (laughs) with just their kids to think about something that they enjoy themselves, let alone a passion is just doesn't seem possible. So how are you able to find their passions? So, I mean, a lot of the time it's, it's going back to, okay, think about before you had kids Mm -hmm. or even go back as far as, you know, when you're in your, in your teens or as a child, what kind of things did you enjoy doing? I mean, I've always been a bookworm. I've always been a massive, massive bookworm. So for me, you know, books is a no-brainer. But, you know, there are um, there are clients that I've had and they, they spent a lot of time going, you know, going camping or hiking or biking, all those kinds of things. And it's about sort of explaining to them that, you know, just because you're a mum, you don't have to give up those things. I mean, obviously, you can try and do things by yourself. Um, 
depending on how things fit in. But also, so many of these things you can actually incorporate the children into. So you can still do those things, but just adapt it slightly. So you might have a a kid in a backpack or on the back of a a bike. Yeah. And and, I mean, you know, kids love camping and things like that. But it's also about not even so much hobbies, although obviously the hobbies are, if they can get something that's just for themselves, that's amazing. And it will make them feel so good. But it's things like they might, they might really want be thinking, do you know, I really want to do something more. Um, I'm, ca- I'm kind of getting a bit over being just the stay at home mum. I want to do more. And so it might be that they get up the courage to go back and study or go back to work part time or start their own business even. Yeah. And so it's all about just, I guess, asking the right questions to find out, well, what interests you? What things did you used to like to do? If, you know, if money or if having children wasn't a barrier, what would you ideally want to do? What is something you you have always said, I would love to do X, Y, or Z? And it's just moving from there. So it's really just asking those questions and you find that actually they very they very quickly remember oh I used to love for me I, I would really love to do roller skating again yeah which um unfortunately I have a back problem so that's not going to happen <laughs> but um you know that is something that still kind of sticks with me now I would love to be able to roller skate again and you'll find I think very quickly if you ask the right questions that something will pop into their head oh I used to love doing this or I always wanted to do this yeah and then you can kind of go from there but a lot of it is about building up the self-esteem and the self-worth in them that they feel that they can do that that they have um especially when it's things like going back to work or something like that if you've been a stay-at-home mum for a long time Sometimes you can kind of beat yourself up a bit and say, oh, I've been a stay-at-home mum for for 10 years and what do I have to offer a workplace? Well, Mm -hmm. actually, you have a lot to offer because so many of the things we do as mums, they're transferable skills. Think about the organisation that it takes, especially when you have more than one child. Yeah. Um, You know, all of the things like that, all of the things that you do every day as a mum and don't really think about, they are all skills that you can transfer into a workplace or a business environment. So a lot of women feel like they've not got anything to offer because they've been at home for so long. And so again, that's where I kind of come in and just try to help them to realize exactly what they do have to offer, that they have so much to offer. And once that self-esteem and self-worth rises, then the ideas of what they can do start firing off because they feel so much more confident that they could maybe do these things yeah with um I love the idea of picking things that you love and also having your family join you right because there's always going to be that blocker well I loved to do this so I I personally I loved to travel before I had kids and I always wanted to continue traveling and 
But when it came to the reality of it, once I had two, I was like, okay, I'm going to need a break. <laughs> but then readjusting your <laughs> expectations and having, um, if yes. you can, if you can add in your family and say, hey, we're going to go do a camping trip or we're going to go drive somewhere or more family friendly destinations instead of a three day hike or something, we're going to do that. And then it also takes away that mom guilt, right? Because now not only are you filling your own cup, but you're also involving your family. And then it's putting them together will eliminate that mom guilt because now you're just making amazing memories with your kids, you know, which is even better. Yeah, absolutely. With, um, you were saying that there was subconscious blocks that you worked through earlier um what kind of subconscious blocks do you commonly find with moms that are like holding them back um a big one is um i'm not good enough Mm. that is probably one of the real biggest ones that comes up is i'm not good enough um and like we talked about before they have these expectations of how they should be the perfect mum whatever the perfect mum is. Right. Um, so that is a huge one. Um, I'd say that that is, yeah, that's the most common one, really. But every, like I say, everyone has their own backstory. And so, you know, they, it might be that they feel like they're not worthy of love. Um, or if they had a particularly, you know, traumatic childhood, maybe, Maybe they bring, think they're bringing things forward in their subconscious from when they experience trauma, and it's impacting how they are, how they interact with their kids. Yeah. So I mean, there's so many different, different things that can come up, but yeah, definitely the um, I'm not good enough. The, um, I am not worthy of love, and and that can be self love as well, like we talked about. You don't feel like you're worthy of or deserving of that self-care so that's another huge one that I find with mums but yeah it's it's lots around that whole I need to be perfect and I'm not measuring up yeah it makes sense because I mean everyone sees on social media or if you go to a play group or a homeschool co-op you know it seems like everyone has the perfect children or, you know, their eyebrows are waxed perfectly and I haven't had time or, like, <laughs> you know, you open the van door and I have like a teddy bear rolling out or <laughs> whatever. And you just feel like you're not good enough because you haven't checked all those boxes. And it's reaffirming when you see other people, like they don't have the stuff rolling out of the minivan or, you know, their kids are not screaming or they brushed their hair today. Right. And so it is very easy to have that mental block of being like, I'm not good enough because, you know, I'm not checking off all the boxes. Um, I did, I read a book about motherhood and it was all about, um, you are the perfect mother for your children, but we all excel in certain areas, right? So one might have the pristine house, no matter how many children they have. And then others might be like the crafty one. That's like all about getting messy and just doing the crafts and having a blast, right? And none of these people are all going to be perfect at all of them, right? And so if you're comparing yourself 
to all of those other moms, then of course, you're never going to feel like you're good enough. But none of them have all of those skill sets, you know, so the one that's okay with the messy experiments and the crafts are probably not going to have the pristine house because it doesn't bother them as much. But the pristine house probably isn't going to have. That would have been me. Yeah, Yeah, me too. I'm like, let's get with the baking soda, the vinegar and the food coloring. Let's go. This is fun. But then, you know, the volcano. (laughs) Yes, it's all so fun. I love those things. But then, you know, it's that that does not mean that you're any less or you're not good enough. It's just that we all have our um, the things that make us great moms and the perfect moms for our kids. So I think that's smart. No, absolutely. Yeah. Be aware of those subconscious blocks and try to work on that. So is there anything else? And it's the, like you said, it's the comparison Yeah. as well. Yeah. It's so easy. Um, Comparing yourself is with other people. It can be so toxic. Yeah. Because ultimately, yeah, they might not have the teddy bear rolling out of the van, but you don't know. Um, you don't know that maybe before she even allowed the kids in the car, she might have been there with the vacuum cleaner rushing around and the kids were screaming in the house because she was determined that the van was going to be absolutely pristine. So you don't know. All all we see is what we see. Yeah. um, Whether that be on social media or in actual life. Yeah. And we can't compare to that because we don't know what's going on behind closed doors. And what, what happened just an hour earlier? Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. Um, comparison is the thief of joy. I always tell it to my kids. But um, Oh, yes, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's easy to do. And so when you're aware of it, it's just always, mm. good to sh- always good to tell my kids, remind them. But is there anything else that you want to yeah. share with our audience before we close up? Um, probably the main thing is, um, I actually run a five day free, um, live challenge Yeah, and that's called more than a mum. And so we work on lots of the things we've talked about today. Um, we work on the limiting beliefs and subconscious blocks. Mum guilt is a big one. Yeah. Um, people pleasing, um, who is it we're trying to please? Is it, is it ourselves or is it someone else? And just kind of that whole, just everything that makes up who we are and how we can go from feeling overwhelmed as a mum to, okay, I feel confident that I can do this and I can do more for me as well. So we talk about Mm self-care and things like that. So I, I run those challenges approximately every six weeks. And um, yeah, they're completely free. Um, I know you said you were going to drop the the link into the yeah, well, yeah, um, into the show notes. Yeah. Um. So yeah, just opt in. It's free, and if you if you've opted in, even if you can't make it live, obviously you know time zones and everything, um, you will have access to the replays as well. So it um, yep, it's worth it's worth opting in because you can always just catch those replays in the Facebook group or on the dashboard. Cool. And where else can we find you? So I also have a website, which is kitesangels.net. 
And I'm also, um, I actually have a group on Facebook called Goal Driven Women Making Changes. Okay, great. And that is, you know, as it suggests, any any women who are just interested in things like, you know, motivational content, things around self-esteem, self-care, um, anxiety, perfectionism, all of those things that we talked about. I, I post regular content in there as well. Awesome. I'll link those down in the show notes as well. So thank cool. you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for having or for coming onto the show. And thank you everyone listening. I will see you guys next week at the Early Motherhood Guide podcast. Thank you for joining us on the Early Motherhood Guide podcast. Be sure to subscribe. And if you haven't already, click the link below to join my Boost Your Milk Supply Bootcamp. See you next week.